the community gets larger and as we have more influence from uh, the coasts and other cities and globally, that's a value we have to embrace and hold tight to. So it's really important for us to hold those values that we think defines Colorado really tight and be generous, give your time away, nothing in return with founders and CEOs leading, uh, you know, you know, from, from the trenches to make Colorado a better place. Every entrepreneur, no matter how good they are, needs help all the time. As an entrepreneur, you live in a world where things are always broken. And when things are always broken, you have to seek knowledge outside of your own ability to solve everything that's simultaneously you know, rattling or shaking or creaking. No one wants to have a business fail. Like no one goes out and says, I need to get a couple lessons in grit. The relationships that you build over time is the superpower that allows companies to succeed at scale or not. Welcome to the Proco 360 podcast. I'm Dave Tabor, hosting Proco 360 because I love Colorado and I love getting to know Colorado's entrepreneurs and leaders and sharing my conversations with them with you. My guests have figured out how to build very successful businesses while being collaborative, enjoying all that Colorado has to offer, and doing that with other talented people who are glad to be here. This episode is with Eric Matisic, CEO of Highwing, a technology company that connects insurance brokers and insurance carriers to better serve customers. I sold life insurance for a year out of college, and it was the worst year of my life. So I'll just say right now, Eric, it's going to be all on you to make the insurance business sound interesting. Really excited to be here today. And uh, yes, in the, in the year of 2021, uh, insurance is indeed a cool industry and career to be part of, and excited to talk with you about a lot of the technology innovation that's happening uh, to really change the industry. Yeah, we'll see how interesting you can make it. That is my challenge to Eric. You may also know Eric from his very active involvement and leadership in Colorado's entrepreneurial community. He was founder or CEO of four previous companies. He led DU's Project Excite, created the Commons on Champa, was appointed Colorado's chief innovation officer by then Governor Hickenlooper, and founded the now famously successful Denver Startup Week. We'll talk about all kinds of things from Eric's background too. So Eric and I, by the way, we've known, Eric and I have known each other for years. I'm glad Will Alverson, your marketing director, suggested that we connect on Proco 360. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, really excited to be here. And, and we have known each other for a while. And it's been awesome to see the impact you have uh, with connecting amazing leaders. And most importantly, uh, this podcast, this narrative is so cool because it's really about loving Colorado and building businesses here. And as a native who loves it, uh, I'm not only a staunch advocate of everything that you talk about, but uh, always willing to share tips and tricks to get more people to join us on the wave of the awesomeness ahead. Ah, cool. We're going to do that a little later. First, I want to start with an overview of Highwing. You know, what was the intense problem you wanted to solve? When you look at insurance uh, in 2021, and even when we had the initial idea in, in 2018, uh, in our space, and again, being really clear, large market uh, business insurance, the industry still is driven by outlook and paper. And it was one of those uh, like lucky finds in the world of technology of saying, I can't believe the world actually operates like this today. Why, why are we still here? And this is a $480 billion channel of insurance that's trading in PDFs and paper. And wow. so we, we took that as inspiration and said, how can we digitize that entire transaction for the thousands of associates in the United States that process this insurance for the world's largest companies? And can we do it to make a better experience 
uh, a faster uh, ability for them to, you know, find insurance and bring in value yeah. to clients and just really live in the 21st century. And so that, that is that, really, yeah. I mean, Eric, that's really mind boggling that in 2018, when you saw this opportunity, it, it, it was something new to the industry that is really mind boggling. Yeah. We're born out of brokerage. And so one of the founders of the business and with the original idea uh, was Rob Cohen, the CEO and chairman of IMA Financial Group, a very prominent Denver uh, insurance operation. And Rob had been in the industry for 30 years. And I think just completely, uh, you know, um, mind boggled as to why things weren't moving faster for his associates in the firm to be more efficient with technology. And yeah. so having known, I've built a lot of technology companies and he's an expert at insurance. We teamed up and alas, here we are. Do the customers that you're now turning into, I guess the word modern wouldn't be bad since they were so behind, but now that you know, you're, you're, you're turning them into tech users. Did they know they had a problem? Did they care they had a problem? For sure. I mean, our business is uh, 100% driven by customer insights uh, and the ability to understand where we meet our clients with technology to do their job better and faster. So we spent numerous hours uh, interviewing, understanding, working with them to not only identify the real problem, like is email really the only way this happens? Once we got to an answer of yes uh, around that, we said, okay, what's the right way? And so we spent another year and a half uh, really defining what the ideal environment would be for the thousands of associates that, you know, um, consult, book, and trade this type of insurance and and risk in the U.S. And then we built an application that satisfied that need. What's really, well, I guess hard to believe for me is that there are are a ton of online websites connecting consumers directly with insurance companies, you know, and and I know you're in the B2B world, but it seems like this is a way to re-intermediate a market that's already been disintermediated. What am I missing? The biggest thing I think you're missing is that when you look at personal lines, so your uh, uh, homeowner's policy or your auto policy that you currently have, you're exactly right. Lots of innovation, ability to immediately connect. You enter a few pieces of information on the web, all of a sudden quotes come back, you have a policy. Um, And same thing with small commercial. Let's just say that uh, you owned an ice cream shop near your house. You had a dozen employees. You had a bunch of risk around the property and, you know, maybe an umbrella policy because someone could slip on the ice when they're leaving the ice cream shop. A little bit uh, more complicated to underwrite, but still relatively a straightforward portfolio of policies. When you start to get into businesses that have uh, in excess of 50 million in revenue, they usually start to have multiple properties, multiple types of assets digital assets to protect directors and officers and, you know, uh, lots of executive liability. Yeah. They have just a magnitude yeah. of insurance that is not easy to transact online. And so that's where the opportunity exists for us. When you cross that boundary from simple to complex, that's where the innovation stops in the industry. And that's where we ah, start. Brilliant. Brilliant. So there was really basically a hole. No one had applied technology to these more complex sales processes at this that's point. Right. Wow. So now you've described Highwing as rooted in relationships, but you're a technology platform, right? So how does that work? The gold standard in insurance is built on the relationships between the insured, the insurance brokerage, and, and, the, and the insurance company that's covering the risk. You know, insurance enables businesses to move faster because it allows them to take risk. And when things obviously go go bad or not as planned, um, they're covered financially to be able to continue to be successful in light of those choices or decisions. And so for us, um, relationships are at the heart of that. 
you know, everything begins with trust and insurance. You've got to trust the, the consultative advice you get from your, uh, your, your broker. Um, you've got to trust the insurance market that you place the risk with. You got to trust that if you have a claim that it's going to be paid. And all of those elements are built on relationships. There's not a really good book that says, you know, mm-hmm. Travelers performs better than Zurich performs better than uh, AIG. Um, it, it's really built on knowledge and industry knowledge around the transactions and claims in the space, especially in the business market, mm-hmm. uh, to be able to understand where the best opportunities exist. Well, and I would I would think kind of like a bank or others that the kinds of transactions that get done at a complex level. I mean, ultimately they rely on trust, don't they? I mean, the insurance company, the care. Yeah. I mean, ultimately people have to make difficult decisions and uh, right. So I could, I could, but what I don't understand is how a company like yours, which is basically a tech platform, how does that deal in the, how do you, are you engaging with uh, relationships when you're really essentially uh, streamlining data flow? So when you think about data, and you think about the quality of data, uh, and you think about the errors, inaccuracies, or the opportunities that exist in data to present a situation or a product that is not reality. It happens every single day. It happens on websites. It happens on our, you know, our cable bills. Like errors get made. So by being the data platform that provides confidence to the transaction and being able to say, "I'm broker ABC." here's the information that I have. This information is credible. It's accurate. It's the best knowledge we have on not only your business, but on the industry. And you should trust me that this is the best risk coverage that you need to be able to provide that. By us being able to qualify, quantify, and be able to add credibility to data, it actually strengthens relationships because it brings them closer to the function of truth. Wow. That's pretty cool. You know, there's that famous book, The Speed of Trust. And ultimately, uh, you know, to the extent that you can move uh, reliable data more quickly. That's what you're doing. That's kind of interesting. I hadn't thought about it that way. I used the word interesting and insurance together. I never thought I would do that in this interview. And here we are. <laughs> well, We're when, only... when you say interesting, uh, the one allergy that uh, the insurance industry has is taking risk because in the cons, you know, in the construct that they're covering and mitigating risk. And so by having better information and more accurate information to be able to make the right decisions around how to appropriately uh, cover the risks of a business becomes important. And when you make mistakes, it attacks the heart of the transaction, which yeah. is you made something more risky that's supposed to be less wow. risky by working with you. So yeah. data and trust are interlinked in the overall transaction. And isn't that ironic that insurance companies are probably the most risk averse of any business? Okay. So um, you've also described Highwing as a product first company. What's that mean? It's everything that we do is um, we, we do all of our product journey mapping and customer exploration from the desk of the user. And the last thing we uh, ever deploy is engineering. So in our business, we understand the problem. We create ideas on how to solve the problem. Uh, we do a process internally that's called forming. How does the combination of the ideas that we have together form the best solution? Yeah. Uh, we map the solution. Uh, we yeah. test it with our users of saying, if we built this, is this the yeah. right one? They further map and form the inputs, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then once we have something we feel high confident, a high confident uh, rate around, we we engineer it. So That's we really always yeah. we always power our ideas with engineering last. It's yeah. the most expensive and um, uh, important asset that we have. So how do we get that idea formulated so well that the engineering uh, mm-hmm. you know is, is almost 
uh, low risk in terms of developing. It. Yeah, that's that's so good to hear, especially from a little company, because I use a world famous CRM tool that, in my mind, clearly is engineer driven and not user interface driven. It's mind boggling to me that a world famous company seems to not do that. What am I like? What am I missing? Well, uh, look out a few years and see if they're still here. I mean, I think yeah. software software of the future has to meet the client's needs and it has to meet the client in the applications and the environment yeah. where they're solving those problems. And so even though they're, uh, they might have a solution, if it's not something that's elegant to use uh, that allows uh, the problem to be solved efficiently and in the best way possible using the technology tools available to us, it will change. Someone will come in. Someone yeah. will innovate around it. Like things will move. Uh, and you know, that's where the opportunities are for small companies. Cause you're exactly yeah. right. When you get big, it's harder to do that, do that at scale. Yeah. Now, now you've developed this cool, elegant solution, uh, that spun out of IMA. So basically you're enabling all of your competitors to be more successful. Is that how it's working? All of our competitors to be, well, I mean, successful. well, I mean, isn't this a product that IMA needed to do business better and aren't all of uh, now you're selling this new way to do things to all of IMA's competitors? Great question. So you could look at it that way, but I just did when you, uh, <laughs> <laughs> when you, when you look at the future of insurance, uh, one of the things that Rob Cohen always has said from the beginning is that data and specifically business data uh, well into the future is going to be the commodity. We're going to have the same information on the square footage of the building. We're going to have the same information of when it was last uh, vandalized. We're going to have the same information of the vehicle and the VIN number and the last time it was serviced at the, at, you know, whether it's tires or oil or whatever, like we're all going to start to have the same information. When that information parity occurs, it's what you do with the information as an insurance uh, consultant and expert that provides the best solution and value to the client. So we're in a world where data is no longer the competitive advantage. So by mobilizing data amongst multiple brokers and multiple carriers, it's accelerating the overall industry but it's still putting the onus on the risk consultant and the risk advisor, you know, the, the insurance professional to make the right decisions that are both balanced in cost and balanced in covering the risk landscape together. Yeah. Now you just recently raised $4 million to grow high wing from, you know, a little company to whatever's next, you know, what are you doing with that? Currently we're really on a, on a growth path to implement our existing clients. Um, you know, one of the awesome things about this recent financing is that, uh, it was brought together by a group of leading partners in the insurance industry. Mm. So uh, we've got a portfolio of brokers, um, Baldwin Risk Partners, which is a publicly traded company that led the round, as well as a new venture firm called BrokerTech Ventures, which is led by 13 of the leading middle market insurance firms in the United States. So we're on a race to get our technology in their hands and just further drive product adoption yeah. and validation that we're onto something big. Once we do that, uh, we anticipate that we'll continue to raise additional capital to not only you know scale the team, but you know continue to build out markets and our carrier markets to be the trading tr platform of the future. Well, and isn't that the magic formula when you can get potential customers to be the ones who are investing? They're it, they've got a vested interest in a using it and two improving it. It's it's really special when that happens, especially ones that are innovative. 
And we've been blessed that when you look across you know, the top 100 insurance brokers in the United States, I would argue that the initial five clients that we have are uh, some of, if not the most innovative brokerage firms in, in the US. It takes uh, a, a tremendous amount of risk and vision to be able to think about your entire operations dif- differently, to think that you can actually digitize something that for the last 30 years, you've sent over email and picked off pa- fax machines. Like People are used to that. So to understand the patterns where I can revolutionize the way that our entire operation works at scale takes big thinking. And we're blessed that we've got an incredible group of leaders that are believing that. Let me push back on that. I mean, come on. It's 2021. How visionary do you have to be to realize that paper and pencil and spreadsheets are just stupid now? Insurance data is really complex. And I think the one thing that I, even coming into the industry, didn't realize is that uh, the one-to-many-to-many relationships of insurance in the industry and the way that policies interact and interchange with one another, it's it's limited the ability for the efficiency in the space to date. Mm-hmm. So if I have a you know if I have a credit card transaction, that's a moment in time. It has a, it has a finite value. That value can get transmitted from system to system. But when you look at the uh, functions of insurance, you, you have uh, an overall risk analysis. You know what am I underwriting? You have a price. You have a claim. So it's it's, history. You have all these functional aspects that create price. It's really so basically, yeah. So basically, I guess anybody in the industry would know that they're behind the times. It's just really complicated to have transformed it to to a digital process. So that's that's what I'm hearing. Hey, you're listening to Proco 360 named Best Denver Podcast Three Years Running. I'm your host, Dave Tabor, and this is the show featuring entrepreneurs who could be successful anywhere and choose Colorado. I'm speaking with Eric Matisic of Highwing. Hey, thanks to our sponsors, First Bank, Kinsley Meetings, MicroStar Keg Logistics, and Via Technologies. These great companies support Colorado businesses and entrepreneurs, and they support this show. Also, thanks to the Colorado Chamber of Commerce for its support for me and Proco 360. Eric, let's shift gears um, to your background. I mean, you've been involved in many entrepreneurial ventures yourself. And maybe more importantly, in developing Colorado's entrepreneurial climate and community, you're co-founder of Denver Startup Week, Commons on Champa, DU's Excite. We talked about that. Over the years, though, as you've been involved in Colorado's startup scene, what have you seen change and evolve? Colorado uh, has never been in a better place uh, to move forward to really capitalize on uh, the global impact of innovation, both from attracting companies, growing companies, uh, attracting talent and growing talent. But most importantly, the diversity of industry that we have here really allows us to be a sustaining community. And I would say the biggest thing I've seen change is that even when I uh, really started to get involved in the late 90s, early 2000s, everyone talked about the diversity between telecom and oil and gas. Uh, but today, when you look at the diversity, it goes way beyond two pillar, you know, kind of uh, telecom, you know, uh, has, has continued to expand with some of the largest fiber companies here in Colorado. Oil and gas continues to be a, a footing, but we've got massive uh, industries in aerospace, emerging industries in cybersecurity and cannabis. We have an incredible software economy. Like all the pieces are hitting on all cylinders, and it just allows an executive to move here, stay here, move around companies, and never have to leave. And that's a new thing. Senior yeah. executives years ago would have to leave to find businesses in their segment, uh, and now they can stay. Yeah, they used to, I used to hear the term terminal location. And that right. basically, right, you'd get a job here. If you got if you lost it, you were stuck. Now that's just not the case, right? Not you know, the case. As, as you think back, and I'm, I'm going to think back to the startup, uh, ask you about the startup world. You think back on the many, many sort of wild-eyed startup entrepreneurs who barely had any idea what they were doing. Did you see through your 
through the the climate you were creating, did you see many successfully launch businesses here in Colorado? Over the arc of my involvement, I've seen a lot of successful businesses. I would say in the last you know five years specifically, I've seen a lot more successful businesses at scale. That's been the difference. So there's there's oh we've always had a lot of great companies operating in Colorado. We've had a lot of great services businesses operating in Colorado. When you look at the last five years, you have companies like Evolve Vacation Rental, you have Guild Guild Education, Ibotta, um, you know Optive, you know you know you have a bunch of firms like Vista Equity Partners making huge investments here. We have multiple billion dollar plus enterprises that are headquartered, anchored, founded here. And you have really amazing, exciting, emerging industries like aerospace with boom aerospace, you know, busting out of the seams out in Centennial. That's the excitement that's new. That's the piece that I would say is a a different feeling is the ability that we can grow things here at scale and have a lot of global recognition. When you think, and you just mentioned some, you know, even, even Colorado based unicorn companies, um, could you think of, a, of an example of someone who came into the the whole startup sort of infrastructure, not knowing what they were doing and building a company that that you got to watch become super successful and and possibly grow to be one of those unicorns? Not knowing what they're doing threw me off. <laughs> huh. Well, exactly. I mean, I'm wondering. So here's what I'm asking. It's like, you know, the whole like Denver Startup Week is designed to take aspiration, aspirational entrepreneurs who don't really know what they're doing and help them get started. So as you think about some of those people you saw enter the ecosystem, you know, can you think about some who came out that maybe we've heard of? Yeah, for sure. I think uh, when the ones that the ones that I think have been most impressive, I mean, I'll, I'll give you an example of a longstanding one that evolved over a two decade period to be highly successful, which I'll start with, which is Home Advisor. I think Home Advisor started as a small boulder business, Service Magic, and through three technology cycles, continued to reinvent, build, and scale, rebranded, and today has become you know the global platform for home services. Having acquired Angie's List, being publicly listed, uh, having a huge presence in downtown Denver, and moving out of Golden to, to really anchor their their brand and presence in Colorado with offices in Colorado Springs and globally. That one has been really fun to watch because it's just been this like grit and, and, and just relentless perseverance in a market with massive odds and have achieved, you know, outsized massive success. And so I think, I think that's been really, really fun. Um, one, one that I've, I think is interesting uh, that has grown over the last few years. Um, and again, when you ask a question of not knowing what they're doing, but, you know, question their business model, I would throw out uh, of all vacation rental. Uh, when Evolve Vacation Rental began, uh, it was it was started by you know two former exclusive resorts alums, do a lot about the resort industry, but entered a market that I think a lot of people scratched their head and said, "How can you make a business at scale? You know, operating on three or five percent margin with very very limited ability uh, to make mistakes." And Brian Egan and Adam Sherry had a vision of how they could do that, and I think against odds in the industry, I think against odds, um, you know, in, in the market. Uh, they not only built a company that you know, was able to achieve that, but they were able to expand their margins. They built a world-class team, a world-class culture. And I think in front of all of us, you said, not only is this a, a business, it's an incredible business. It's backed now by some of the biggest investors uh, in the United States. It's got a thriving culture and it's the defining brand in vacation rental management. Yeah, yeah. And that one was really exciting to see. see yeah. So clearly you love 
being part of that community, being part of the entrepreneurial community, knowing the people who are building these businesses. Why did you go back to being the CEO of a startup and, and sort of leave that, that whole uh, a community of, uh, of entrepreneurism? I wouldn't, I've never left. I would say I'm a founder's founder. Uh, I, I've always been a founder. I've always been around founders. I've always, you know, I, I live, breathe and sleep to help founders. And for me, you know, I had this opportunity, you know, kind of a five-year window of my life where I had the chance to lead the technology association for the state, build Denver startup week, you know, build an innovation program at the U, serve the governor and lead the innovation discussion for the state of Colorado. Just some incredible opportunities to serve entrepreneurs, to be able to build markets and build opportunities for them to grow at my heart, I get no more uh, satisfaction, excitement, and gratification than helping entrepreneurs sift through ideas and bring them to reality. So when, you, so, talk, oh, so when you think about that, and now you're back as a CEO, what, you know, what basic lessons have you wanted to convey to startup entrepreneurs that are you're still trying to convey to yourself that you're reminding yourself of every day? Everything is about humans. And whether we're building product, the people we hire, uh, whether it's partnerships, the people we're dealing with, uh, whether it's uh, you know our, our product and product delivery, the clients we're, we're, we're serving, the relationships that you build over time is the uh, superpower that allows companies to succeed at scale or not. And I've always believed that you never know where the relationship or you know the olive branch that gets extended uh, circles back and and helps uh, you know th them scale. Uh, there's an entrepreneur uh, I had spoke with just last night, um, and uh, they've really some exciting news of a company that they're uh, selling they've built over the last 15 years. And there was a moment in time that that company was really close uh, to not existing, you know, weeks away from missing payroll, uh, getting ready to shut the entire company down. Uh, and through relationships, we were able to find a round of financing and and put that back that business back on the tracks. And from that near death experience, you know, fast forward seven years, and you know they're going to be a three hundred million dollar plus enterprise in our ecosystem. And so wow. that's th those are the things that get me really excited. And uh, it's that history, it's that muscle memory, and it's that ability. Just every entrepreneur, no matter how good they are, needs help all the time. As an entrepreneur, you live in a world where things are always broken. And when things are always broken, you have to seek knowledge outside of your own ability to solve everything that's simultaneously, you know, you know rattling or shaking or creaking. And so I just yeah. think relationships and people uh, really fuel great companies. And most importantly, the comp the communities that foster that have the best businesses and best, you know, environment for, for entrepreneurs to build companies. So I'm passionate about both. I dedicate my life to it. I give anything to help entrepreneurs. And that's where I live. That's cool. Hey, you're listening to Proco 360. I'm your host, Dave Tabor, and this is the show featuring entrepreneurs who could be successful anywhere and choose Colorado. I'm speaking with Eric Matisic of High Wing. Go to Proco360.com to subscribe to the newsletter, read my blog, and catch the books I'm listening to on Audible. And don't forget to rate Proco 360 in your app when you finish this episode. Hey, Eric, we've talked a lot about Colorado, you know, and as the home for High Wing and as your home. Uh, You've talked a lot about the opportunities of Colorado and your love for Colorado. Are there challenges that you think being a tech company in Colorado presents, or are we past that? I think we're past it. I really believe we're past it. I think there was a chapter of time where we talked about, you know, the the, the terminal city syndrome. I think there was a chapter of time where uh, 
investment was really questioned. Like, could you raise from significant firms at scale in the state? If you look over the last five years, without question, great ideas can be anywhere. When they're in Denver, they get heavily funded. Uh, I think from a talent perspective, can we bring the Silicon Valley uh, leaders or the New York leaders or you know the technology leaders of the world of Colorado? It was happening before the pandemic. The pandemic was like a supercharger to land yeah. people, not only here, but in rural Colorado. And so I think we're, I think we're at this tipping point. I, I, I've, I've always thought that we're, every year is our best year in Colorado. Uh, and we're at a tipping point where capital, ideas, and talent are really mixing well. And I think we're at a point where the technology and innovation activities of Colorado are here to stay. And, and boom, aerospace marks that at scale for me. And it's a billion dollar plus business building the future of uh, a supersonic flight at Centennial Airport, taking the Concorde and modernizing it in our backyard. That's and that's technology. Cool. But more yeah. importantly, they're building a carbon fiber aircraft with all of the you know technology tools of a Tesla in Colorado. I just don't think that was possible years ago. Well, it's exciting, and uh, I had I had George buy a buy aerospace, which is Amazing. not air. Yeah, cool company, yeah. electric. Kind of wrapping up, you bring a perspective, and I can hear it both as a community leader in the entrepreneurial ecosystem and as a startup CEO. Th- those are really different, but do you think there are qualities that run through both uh, both mindsets that that are universal? I think the best CEOs in our community are community minded. Period. I, I don't think you can operate uh, in a business community at scale without a mindset and a generosity bone in your body. Like those who give the most, get the most, and they win talent, they win deals, they win the opportunity to be part of the community. Uh, and it's been really fun to see some of the new companies that have engaged in Denver in the last few years. I use uh, VF Corp as an example. Uh, I think a lot of us were very curious. I mean, first, not a lot of people even knew what VF Corp was. And, you know, once we learned it was a holding company for North Face and 50 other brands, you immediately saw them turn on their impact engine and their community engine. And what was something that was a little bit of an outlier of like, what are they going to do? How are they going to do it? They elegantly stepped into multiple places to extend a helping hand. And they've landed amazing talent peers. They built a brand yeah. and now they're part of the community. And I, now, yeah. I think it's amazing. I hear from experienced people who've, who've done business both in in some of the traditional tech sec, uh, uh, locations and in Colorado that Colorado has inherently a more collaborative approach though, than some of those other more traditionally active tech uh, locations. Would you agree? I do agree. I think it's really important though, uh, as we move forward, that that's been something that we've been able to build our brand on our legacy on. It's something that we tell everybody that comes into our community, like, you can have a cup of coffee or you can pick up the phone and call someone and they'll call you back. And it's a relationship driven collaborative community as the community gets larger. And as we have more influence from the coasts and other cities and globally, that's a value we have to embrace and hold tight to because it's easy for the patterns where you were from to become the patterns of where you are. And as we continue to drive more scale of those who are in our, in our community that haven't been part of it for a long time, our historical patterns can get overwritten with new patterns. So it's really important for us to hold those values that we think defines Colorado really tight and be generous, give your time away, nothing in return with founders and CEOs leading uh, you know, you know, from, from the trenches to make Colorado a better place. I think that's a recipe for success. 
But I think we have to be really committed to continuing to build that because it's easy to sway a different direction. Yeah, you know, that would be a good note to end on. But I was determined to ask you one more question about an article I saw in my startup, Me, I Believe in Grit. And uh, you shared a quote from your high school soccer coach, Grit. It makes winners out of losers, and it makes winners keep on winning. It makes your heart beat harder and your mind work faster. It can push you. It will pull you. It has a force that inspires almost contagiously. And though you can't see it, hear it, smell it, or touch it, you sure can feel it. So what's that mean to you in your entrepreneurial life? I remember my junior year of high school, uh, that quote was written on the back of every program of every game for my entire high school uh, ex- experience in Fruta, Colorado. And I was playing Arapahoe High School. Uh, I had been knocked out twice. I had a concussion. Um, we were down uh, two to one. And my coach, you know, uh, you know, kind of tested my eyes and said, you know, uh, do you want to finish the game? And I nodded yes. And uh, I went back in. We ended up, we, we lost the game. You know, uh, we couldn't come back. But I did finish and it was one of those moments in time where I always think about like, you know, when you're down in the dirt and you're dizzy and you're at the edge of being able to operate, like that's where entrepreneurs get their power from because that happens more times than the top of the mountain celebrations. And grit has always been something in my life that I think you're always defined by your experiences of struggle more than your experiences of success. And I've always embraced that. And that's always been a powerful uh, motivator for me. It's been a power plant for my own success. And I just think the companies and the partners and the entrepreneurs that I want to be affiliated with, they have an unhuman ability to look beyond the current state and work through it. And I just think that's what businesses and companies are built on. And I've, I've held it really close my entire career. Yeah, that's so cool. Now, you've got three kids. They're little. Do you teach them that? Do you teach them about grit? Is, you know, it's, it's such an awesome question because grit is, I always laugh when you grit, no one wants to learn grit. Like no one, no one wants to break a leg. No one wants to have, you know, uh, someone close to them pass away. No one wants to have a business fail. Like no one goes out and says, I need to get a couple lessons in grit. Let's yeah. <laughs> give it to me. Yeah. Yeah. So, because it's painful. Uh, I, I, so I don't ever, um, advocate that my children uh, go out and get lessons in grit when they have setbacks and those experiences, I definitely highlight the experience and set a path forward of how they can get from where they are to where they want to be and, you know, start to lay down the path of resilience. I think that is a natural, awesome thing to do as a parent, but uh, as a parent, uh, no one wants their kids to go out and experience grit, but when they, when we do, uh, it takes a, it takes a community to bring them back. And I think that's what life's about. Cool. Hey, let's wrap up here. And, and I'm your host, Dave Tabor. Today on Proco 360, you've been listening to my conversation with Eric Matisic, founder and CEO of High Wing. Eric, what a great conversation. It's been fun catching up too. It's been awesome to catch up, Dave. And so excited uh, to see not only the success of this podcast, but your success of just bringing in Colorado to closer together uh, through innovation and through entrepreneurship and this awesome business podcast. So thank you so much for having me today my pleasure. And listeners, thanks for joining me and Eric on Proco 360, where we say live, work, love Colorado, because you and I and my guests can be successful anywhere and choose Colorado. You make the show successful by subscribing to the Proco 360 podcast and submitting a review. Thanks again to show sponsors, First Bank, Kinsley Meetings, MicroStar Keg Logistics, Via Technologies, and the Colorado Chamber of Commerce. That's the show. Live, work, love Colorado. Thank you, Dave. Hey, Eric, sorry I kept you a little long. That was awesome. That was was super fun.